What a good day to be here. If you're a guest, and uh, I haven't had time to greet everybody yet, but I'll greet more, but boy, come find me. And if you could just give us at least a name, trying to put names and faces together is so important to us. We've got a connect area out there. We won't chase you and, and harass you or anything like that, but boy, boy, we wanna know who you and yours are. So thank you for that. Well, we're in week two. We started a new a series uh, last Sunday. We're calling it Settle It. Settle it, settle it. Last week I talked about being decisive. Does that sound familiar at all? Those of you online, thank you for joining us. We've got tons of people online. That number continues to grow and we're grateful. Having a lot of good feedback from people at home uh, who have never been able to come here yet at least. So uh, we talked about daily life decisions have such great power for good or for harm and so we need to, God wants us to learn to make good decisions. And I've been saying something like this, and you'll hear this theme presented throughout these seven weeks, that quality decisions are the key to a quality life. Agree? Some of you are in a mess today. Some of you are like the bricklayer. Remember the story I read last week? I described some of your life. It seemed like one thing leads to another. You make your decisions, and then your decisions make you. So you settle it. You decide what you're going to do in a given situation before you're faced with it, because Good intentions do not always a decision make. It's not enough. So choose ahead of time what you'll do in the moment, in the heat of the moment, if you will, in the moment of temptation. If not, you'll give in. Um, so it's things great and small, like it's planning how you're gonna respond rather than react, what you're gonna say, how much you're gonna spend, what you're gonna look at, what you're gonna, what, how you're gonna treat someone in response, how, where, where to go or where not to go. And so this is an underlying theme that I, want, I hope you'll write down on the fly leaf of your mind at least. When I am faced with this situation, whatever it may be, I have settled it and I will and then an action. We, we got blanks there. When I'm faced with this temptation, this struggle, uh, I have settled it, and I'm going to take this action specifically, and I pray that you will. So, I've been doing this a lot of years. I, I started full-time in 1979 in various full-time ministry positions, and in all my years thinking about it, I know of very few people uh, that plan to mess up their lives. How about you? I mean, I plan when I get up today, I want to make some horribly regrettable decisions today. I want to see how many of those I can make in one day, a day like today. No, they don't wake up. You don't wake up and say, I wonder today, I just really want to sin. I want to hide. I want to lie. I want to lose the trust of people who love me. None of you did that today, did you? No, I don't think so. So most people don't plan on their daily choices wrecking their lives and the lives of others, but it happens. They do it all the time because if I've known anything in these years as pastors, I know that many are not good decisions maker and God and his word, the power of the Holy Spirit wants to give us direction about that. I've been saying something like this, and, and you notice my Y2J shirt, I'm wearing it in light of the, the living transform, the baptismals, because this is prior to baptism. I mean, you got to make a decision. Anything that happens on the outside has to happen on the inside first. So starting and saying yes to Jesus, that's a place. And when you do, you, your identity becomes, I am a child of God, and you know who God is, and you know who you are, and you know what to do, and I believe you'll do it because God wants you to be decisive. I really believe that. 
Remember, that's why I wanted that little rap from New Name and Glory. I know who I am because the I am tells me who I am. That's all out of that identity. I am a child of God. I know who I am. Some of you, you're, you're, you're all grown up and mature physically and emotionally in most ways, but you've never discovered who you are because you really haven't discovered who he is. And my prayer today is that you'll discover who he is, but also who you are in him and follow through. So these are great I am statements. I love it that I just read, and we're gonna continue to do that. Last week, I am decisive. Today, I'm ready, I'm ready. So get ready. Here we go. Boy, I feel good. Night 23 after, and that, let's see, I have till 10.30 to finish my message today. I'm gonna see how it feels. No, I don't. We're gonna do the baptism. We're gonna do worship music at the end as well. So let's ready. Are you ready today? Are you ready? Online, are you ready? Are you ready? Good decisions flow from clear values. And I believe values flow from life principles and those things are, are, are the bedrock and foundation lies in the word of God. You don't base decision on what feels good in the moment because our feelings are real, but man, they cannot be trusted, but on who you want to be for the rest of your life. I keep saying, all t- they, they serve as a, if you will, pre-deciding, deciding ahead of time. It's like an internal guidance system. This is the way to go. This is the way to go. The Holy Spirit's speaking to you. Good decisions. My question to you today, just to think about, have you ever given in I won't say how long ago, but have you ever given in to what feels good in the moment only to have wakened the next day and to have regretted it? Is that anybody with me? I sure have. I don't have any regrets, honestly. I thought about this. I don't have any regrets of when I've done something God's way. My only regrets in life are when I didn't. Those things are forgivable, redeemable, but still I go, I should have. Can anybody relate to that? And that never, that isn't just in the distant rearview mirror, but that's a part of our life right now in our journey, growing to be more and more like Jesus. So the trick I've been telling you, and I have a way of putting things that I said, let's get to the place, this whole theory is about letting our want to trump our feel like it. Does that sound familiar? The want to is what you, and and I wanna give a caveat, I talked about regular exercise uh, that I go to, but I wanna say, and I'll probably say later, just because I do, it doesn't mean my goal, I want to go three times a week. I don't always make it three times a week, but that's always what I get back to. And I go far more aiming for three times a week than I just wanted to, if I said I just want to go once a week. You follow me? So I want to exercise, I need to exercise, but so many times I don't feel like it, and the moment comes when I say, am I gonna trump what I feel like because I've said in a rational moment, I want to. And you know, when you have to exercise, you get irrational. You start making all kinds of excuses about why you don't need to do it. I know some of you are exercise freaks. God bless you. Share your joy with the, with the rest of us if you can. But you know where I'm coming from. So my question is, this, this regret. One of the biggest things I deal with as a pastor all these years are people living in regret. Something that happened years and years ago, but they're regretting it. Maybe they've held it in. They've never shared it with anybody. Whatever the case may be, regret, regret. But I wanna tell you, regrets are redeemable. You can't change the past, but God can work in and through things. So my question, I want you to think about it. I know it's hard at, at 9.26 in the morning, but why, if you have a regrettable decision, why did you give in? Chances are that you didn't have a plan. Chances are that you gave in because you weren't ready, thus the name of the message today. Are you ready? You were warned, the Holy Spirit prompted you, but you weren't prepared. It caught you off guard. So 1 Corinthians 16 says it very clearly, verse 13. Be on guard. 
When somebody says on guard, what does that remind you of? What, fencing? Be on guard, ready, stand firm, in faith. Be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. I wanna tell you, that may be the most challenging part of that whole verse. Stand strong, be courageous, all those things, stand firm, do everything in love. That may be our greatest challenge in these days in our culture, agree? In other words, we need to be really careful that we represent Jesus, but don't you dare misrepresent Jesus and don't define Jesus according to our cultural whims. It's the Jesus of God's word, that's what we stand for him. So, two reasons why you need to be on guard, on guard. Some of us need to, need to do things physical, you know? We talk about using our altars and stairs. Sometimes we can do things internally. But I think, man, that's why I encourage you in the morning, first thing, go palms up when you're on your back saying, Lord, here I am. I receive from you. I give to you. Everything, my life is yours. It's not my own. I, I mean doing it physically to help. Man, some of you in Temptation Row, I mean, at least when nobody's looking, and it would freak somebody out if you were walking in a public place, but you just needed to go physically. On guard, I'm ready. That'd blow some people away, wouldn't it? They'd probably bring somebody to take you down and out. I, I'm not sure about that. But here's a couple of things. Why do you need to be alert? Why do you need to be on guard? Why do you need to be so, strong? Because I just got news for you. According to God's word, Satan is after you. If you're a child of God, if your identity is, I'm a child of God because I've said yes to a relationship with Jesus, he's coming after you. And if you're not, if you're not a child of God, he's already got you where he wants you. How do you know that to be true? Satan's coming after you. That's not a bunch of woo-woo, it's just a fact. Because there's good and evil and God's placed that conscience within us to be discerners of that. Listen to Matthew 26 now, following up the verse I just read in 1 Corinthians. Keep watch and pray, that's on guard, ready, so that you will not give in to temptation. Do you wanna know the answer? Watch and pray. For the spirit is willing, your spirit wants to, but your body feels like it. I'm doing my own translation there. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. So be ready, he's coming. Don't fear, don't let your guard down. Stay strong, have courage, the fight is on. Man, when you say yes to Jesus, the fight is on. It's not over. Your journey isn't completed until you, the fight's gonna rage until you draw your first breath in heaven. Be prepared, don't be disillusioned, don't be blown away, I just can't believe it, I mean, things have gotten complicated since I said yes to Jesus. Yeah, because you've chosen the side you're on. You've chosen whose side you're on. Have you made that decision? Have you made that decision? Watch and pray, be ready, the fight's on. Keep watching and praying. That's present tense active, it's nonstop, because we know, as John says, the enemy's on a mission to kill, steal, and destroy, and that's not just somebody else, he's after you. Say, after me, yes, he's after you. Know that, if you're a child of God. Let's look at 1, 2 Corinthians chapter two, uh, verse nine. The reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test. On guard, I'm ready and be obedient in everything, or in the moment when the pressure's on, when the heat's on, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not, aware of, we are not unaware of his schemes. Uh, one of the worst things we could do would, would be to be Satan deniers. Oh, he's not real, it's just a fantasy and all that. I'm gonna tell you, he's got you in his hip pocket if that's where you are. Again, we don't live in fear over that, but no, our enemy is a reality. The enemy knows how and where to attack you, to take you down, to take you out. So be ready, I've been saying it, be ready. 
He's coming after you. He's coming after you. I love my best friend that I've never met, Andre. I miss him still. He's in heaven. He, said, he wrote these words all the way. Satan is busy trying to block my path, but I'm going all the way. I like this line. He's throwing rocks and hiding his hands. In other words, he's trying to make you think it isn't him to blame somebody else, but he's doing his work. I'm going all the way. So first is he's coming for you. He's, he's after you. We're so good about, well, I know he's after others, but I'm telling you, he's after you. He's after your kids. He's after your grand. He's after your home. Whatever he can do to bring chaos. Oh, here's a sobering one. Uh, number two is this. You and I, we're overrated. You're not as strong as you think you are, especially on your own. We're strong in the power of his might, but we're not as strong as we think we are. And if we're overrated ourselves, I'm gonna tell you, that'll come back to bite you when you least expect it. If you're not constantly on guard, keep watching. Greater is he who is in me than is he who, than he who is in the world. The emphasis is not on us, the emphasis is on him. Point and praise. So 1 Corinthians 10, 12 speaks to that. So if you think that estimation of yourself, you're standing Firm, be careful that you don't fall. Are we all capable of falling? Yes, we are. I don't care if you've been a Christian 70 years, 50 years. Take heed, watch and pray that you don't get lazy and lukewarm and drift a long way and think where in the world, what happened? How did I get here from where I once was? That's why I'm emphasizing in this series and we're emphasizing our team to make decisions uh, and, and, and know this, that decisions that don't honor God will cause you to end up in situations that you should never, never be in. Don't be overconfident in your own strength and abilities. Don't have an attitude about it. The Bible says in Romans 12, don't think of yourself more highly than you, than you ought to think, but totally be dependent upon God. I mean, if you wanna be overconfident, be overconfident in God because it's impossible to be overconfident in God. You follow me? Don't overestimate yourself, but never underestimate Almighty God. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Stay humble. Be dependent upon God. People commonly, I see this all the time, overestimate their ability to resist temptation because they think they're stronger than they are. And so we place ourselves in compromising situations with many, many regrets our willpower can tend to wane, no matter how noble it is, as the days and the seasons wear on. Um, I, I wanna remind you that as we move through this, this material today that these are, this is about things great and small. I mean, you may resist reacting, for example, to an extra grace re required person in your home or at work or whatever, only to come home and unleash on your family members or take it out on your comfort foods or even your pet. I mean, if you wanna get jailed quick, take it out on your pet nowadays, man. People are, people are watching that, aren't they? I'm not fast enough to kick my cat, I can tell you that. I mean, he's out of there. But I just wanna say soberingly, again, let's, let's be alert. Satan's coming and you're not strong as you think you are. What are you going to do? Well, I wanna tell you about, remember sometimes NATO started, this is how we fight our battles. And some of you go, I don't get it. Well, it's not just this is how, I'm telling you, I'm gonna tell you three things of the way that we fight our battle by drawing a line, by counting the cost, and by planning our escape.
Okay? That is how you fight your battles. You draw the line. You count the costs. You plan your escape. Does that sound logical? Yes, but how? Yes, but how? Okay, here we go. Stand and fight. I've called this section, but number one, draw the line. Put the line above board, a safe place with a distance margin margin for error, and leave it there. Could I illustrate it? All right, Joel, just come help me here, if you would, and tear off a piece of, make sure it's folded. This is real duct tape. I might pull everything off on the floor, but just like, it's whatever. And then fold the other end down to tear off a piece. Uh, let's see. Okay, so I remember my dad. My dad was a preacher, and he used to talk about this drawing the line thing, and I'll tell you where to apply it in a moment. I like you just to feel awkward standing up here when you're, uh, yeah, because you never know when we're done. But I remember my dad, always, if he told it once, I heard him tell it many times. He talk, talked about a king that was ha- hiring a chariot driver, and he took him up to some place on, on a high mountain, and, and he said, there's three, and I want you to come as close as you can to the edge. And so the first one did pretty well. The second one did even better. He came within inches, but the third one hugged the, can- the, 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 the wall. Guess which one the king ha- hired? The one that stayed as far away from the edge of the cliff possible. Does that make sense? So... So uh, put, put that just as, as close to the edge of the stage as you can, okay? Just kind of, just lightly put it right there across the edge of the stage, all right? And then leave one end up because I want to I wanna pull it up and play, replace it in just a moment, okay? So if I found with teenagers years ago when I used to teach them, if I, if I had an, an object lesson, it would help them to remember it. So... What I think a lot of us do when it comes to temptation, in whatever form, so don't think you're holier than thou because we all have our areas of weakness. I don't care how great or small. But I think sometimes we just like to live dangerously and we just want to come as close as we can to that line without crossing it. True? In fact, I hear people like this. My teens used to ask me this, not that they do it anymore, but uh, Pastor in, in my dating relationship with my, with my girlfriend or boyfriend, whatever the case may be, and, and you know, we're just kind of close and spend a lot of time together, uh, how far can I go? That, I, that's, ask, that's setting yourself up for defeat right there. In other words, Pastor, we just wanna, we just wanna get right up, to, we wanna go as far as we can, but we don't wanna fall over the abyss into the cliff and, and, and down into the canyon. Come on. I'm, I'm so, some of us are so mature, we don't even remember our raging hormones at that age and stage of life, but they were. But you know what? As adults, sometimes we live this way too. We just want to know how much God expects, and we'll just come to that close because we only expect to get into heaven by the skin of our teeth anyway. I, used to, I remember people telling my dad that as a pastor, they would actually tell him something like that. I don't think that's the way to victorious living, do you? And a lot of our regrets are because we chose to live too, cross, too close to the line. So I just want us to make a suggestion that, that's, t- that's tangible to you today. Hey, no paint came up with it. Boy, don't you wish you would have invented duct tape or Velcro? Oh, man. I mean, if that's the edge, don't you think it's way more honoring to God and say, I want to honor you so much. I just want, to, I want everything to be above board. I want to stay as far away from the edge as I possibly can. I don't want to go over. I mean, I, 
I, I used to think about when my kids were younger and we would go and place on vacation if we were climbing or something. One of the things that wake you up with a start is if you th- thought, and I've heard horror stories of where, where a, a child has fallen over into some abyss because they were, they were too close to the edge. And that was probably primary an adult decision. And I just want to tell you very clearly that if we live here, there's a much greater chance that our kids or grands are going to fall over. But if we draw the line way back here, I want to tell you what a legacy we're leaving for those behind us. Now, I don't want anybody beating up on yourself because you live too close to the line. Because how many of you know God specializes going into the deep pits of life, and he digs us out, and he sets us on a path. But he said, don't live with the way he once did. Start in a new place. Draw the line back here. All things are new. So no matter where you fall today in that, it's not lost. All is not lost. Please don't ask this. How far can I go and not sin against God? In other words, oh, I want to go as far as I can in the wrong direction but I don't want to cross the line. No, 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 that's the wrong approach. And you know what? Again, that'll lead to free falls and crash landings. Be careful there. Does that help? Does that make sense to you? And I think that's all what we ought to be demonstrating and teaching our kids and grands, our, our teenagers and all that, not to see how close we can come, but honor God. Um, boy, we could think of all kinds of practical examples, but for the sake of time, I'll, I'll go on there. But if something's wrong. I'm not going to try to come as close as I can to a cataclysmic crash or something like that. No, no, no. I'm going to move the line as far away from the sin, from the edge as I can. I'm going to refuse. I'm deciding ahead of time with my will that I'm refusing to live as close to danger as I can. Uh, Is this coming through today? You're a little quiet. You're a little quiet. Not everybody. I I refuse to say, I'm just going to live my life as close to the danger line as I can. No, I want to honor God. There's some things we need to go to. There's some things we need to stay away from. There's some limitations that we need to place on ourselves. There's some conversations that we need to have for accountability with someone who loves us and who we love that'll help us because secrets are so deadly. Uh, Pastor, are you talking legalism today? Are you from that Nazarene thing, brand that thinks they're better than anybody else? No, no, no. You may think that these self-imposed, self-imposed, Holy Spirit-led and guided lines are too restrictive, but I disagree. This is one of my mom's favorite verses, and she had many, but she would quote this, Psalm 16, 6, and she would personalize. She said, my boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. In other words, my parents raised us kids, not with a bunch of rules and regulations, but that she, she lived that. Our boundary lines, by creating a safe line, they have fallen in, in pleasant places, and there's, there's freedom in that. There's no restriction in this. We gotta change our mindset. My boundary lines have fallen in several places. How do you know we need boundaries? How would you like to play a game of basketball with no boundaries? Or football. You know, I mean, that's what makes the game active and real, does it not? And how much we need those in life. These lines are not restrictive. I'll say it, all God's children need boundaries. Do you have them? I talked about, I think I asked you last week, do you have any deeply held values? Do you have convictions that you refuse to, to, to cross and to compromise on and cave on because they're from God and they're to God? Do you have any? I'm just asking. I I believe God's children do. They're from him. The second thing I want to hit is this. So not only do you draw the line in an appropriate place and stay as far away from danger as you can, but how about this one? Count the cost. Count the cost. I mentioned it before, but I want to say it again. 
if I'm counting the cost, it means this to me. How am I going to feel about this that I'm tempted to do the next morning or the next day? How am I going to feel if my kids see it, if my kids know it, if, if my grands watch me? How are they going to feel? I want to tell you again, one of the greatest tragedies that I deal with as a pastor, year in and year out, is a reality of regret. Regret, if only. I should have, could have, might have. Because anytime you... You consider giving in to a temptation, you're taking a serious risk. And that's why the Bible said, I forget the reference, but it says basically this in one of the translations, train yourself for the purpose of godliness. Stop and ask yourself, what could go wrong? What might go wrong? If I give in, what's the worst, what's the worst case scenario? Who am I gonna hurt the most if I give in? Wow. If I cross this line, what's the worst thing that could happen? Might I lose my reputation, a relationship, integrity, a ministry, a job, financially? I mean, those are in the regret pile, are they not? Draw the line and live with your back to that line and create separation, create margin, create distance. Don't oh, underestimate the cost, overestimate it. Look at me. How many of us have ended in messes and remodeling projects or home builds or whatever because we almost always optimistically underestimate the cost? I want to tell you, when it comes to serving Jesus, we need to overestimate the cost. It's going to cost you. Do you hear me? Satan's coming. Don't over, overrate yourself. It's costly to follow Jesus. It's not a trouble-free life. It's not just skipping down some primrose path. No, 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 no. Count the cost. Count the cost. I truly use this and still do. I have and still do. And maybe more importantly now than ever before, but I try to count the cost of regret by thinking about how my children and grand who believe in me view me. And I don't want to lose my positive influence with them because of something they observe in my life. So that means that I need to make sure I have a reverse gear and I can go back and say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me, I was wrong. I'm not, I'm not giving you a formula for perfection. How many of you know that's true? We don't live in perfection uh, avenue, but I'm giving you a plan, a way. I wanna say that again, for instance, please. Count the cost, overestimate the cost. Does that make sense? Have you ever gotten a financial jam because you've underestimated something? Oh, all the time it happens, and it happens. Numbers 32, 23 speaks to it. It says, but if you fail to keep your word, then you will have sinned against the Lord, and you may be sure of this, that your sin will find you out. Did anybody besides me ever have that quoted to you as a kid? Come on, help me out. Be sure. How many of you ever experienced that? I thought the Holy Spirit talked directly to my mother. The Holy Spirit was a tattletale. She knew things or they knew things about me that I just thought about doing and they were stepped right in the way to block my... Can you relate? Oh, how about this? Is anybody glad that at a certain point, at the early point, that your sin did find you out? Getting caught is one of the best ways to divert us away from it, isn't it? That's a problem. Some of us have gotten away from it with it for so long that we think we're invincible, but we're not. Overestimate the cost because your sin will find you out. And unfortunately, many times, it's generational. If you don't deal with it, your kids and grands will end up dealing with stuff because you didn't draw the line. You didn't count the cost. 
you have all kinds of regrets that you think are a secret, but they're not. Hmm. Finally, can you believe I went through two points that quickly? Here's the third one. Oh, I like this. Plan your escape. That's not too difficult, is it? Do you have an escape plan? Well, if you don't, you're going you're gonna to cave. So that's why we call the title Settling It, Settling it Ahead of Time, how you're going to stay out of or get out of a dangerously tempting situation. And for illustration, I just want to go to Joseph's life and read a couple of verses here. Everybody awake? How about in the grandstand? I haven't made it up there. I owe you hugs. Wave at me if you're doing fine, if you're alive and well. Point to somebody beside you who's sleeping. Uh-huh. Tell them to wake up. Be ready. <laughs> Listen to it. I just want to give you the cliff notes on Joseph's story. If you've never read it, great story in the Bible. Um, I'll just pick up in verse 6. Joseph was super sharp in every way and he was basically abducted by his brothers and thrown in a pit and then sold. They were jealous. They hated him and reported back to his dad that they were, he was dead. And he was taken um, to a foreign land and, and there God's favor was still on Joseph and he began to rise up from the ranks of a, of a foreign slave and people saw his giftings. But I want to pick up, so here's a, a key point for his life. So Potiphar, a person that he was a slave to their household, Potiphar, his, his boss, gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. And evidently, he owned all kinds of things. But with Joseph there, this man of God, he didn't have to worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Now, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built well young man. That used to be my wife's favorite verse because that I reminded her a lot of Joseph back in those days. <laughs> I didn't say now, oh, I'm telling you, we get older. There's so many worries you don't have to have anymore. And Potiphar's wife soon began to, by the way, let me just say there, I, I, this is totally off subject, but so many of you are on me about my knees, my knees, my knees, my limping knees. You know how I messed them up, hugging all of you and chasing up and down the stairs. That's what happened. But I want you to know, at 8 to 15 in the morning, I have an appointment with a surgeon to check out knee, knee uh, rehabilitation or surgery or whatever. Okay, so just put that to rest so you don't have to nag me anymore. It's, it's coming. All right, so <laughs> the things are popping in my mind. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. I mean, she looked at Joseph, she took notice of him, and she liked what she saw, and she repeatedly, publicly and privately, tried to put not-so-subtle, seductive moves on him. And, and this is a good thing about Joseph drawing the lines, I believe. I mean, he couldn't help the situation he was in. He had to be there. He didn't have any choice. He was a slave. He was far from home, and no one knew him or even where he was from. I mean, Joseph was minding his own business, doing what he needed to do when his brothers beat him up and threw him in the pit. I mean, didn't he deserve to have a life? He was in a bad situation, and God let him down because if God was faithful, he should have never been a slave where he was a slave. I don't want to obey God because of that. He was single, and she was the one who started it, according to the Bible. But Joseph has settled it, and he decided he was going to honor God no matter what the cost. Wow. 
And could I just interject this for us practically? Let's make sure that we don't fall into that, tap, that, that trap and use disappointments to justify our disobedience. D- does that make sense to you? Oh, that is so easy to do. He's whispering in your ear. Well, you deserve. Well, well, well. I mean, here's some case in points, for example. Like Joseph, God is the one who let me get in this spot because if he's all powerful, he should have kept me out of it. Never owning our own crazy decisions that God has put us where we were. He let me down. God's famous for letting people down nowadays according to their thinking. My spouse just isn't meeting my needs. Well, I wonder if you're meeting theirs, but that's beside the point. I'm gonna live this moment that I didn't initiate and I'm just gonna let the chips fall where they will. Verse 12. She came after Joseph and grabbed him by his cloak demanding This was his boss's wife. Come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away. He left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. How do you believe that Joseph had an escape plan? We learned it, some of us, when we were in kindergarten. See, Joseph, run. See, Joseph, run. Some of your modern translations are, run, Forrest, run. Mrs. Potiphar, I'll call her, kept up her relentless pursuit of Joseph, a slave in a foreign land, and he had no rights. He had to be careful. He was so sharp and smart. He must have planned his escape quite some time, going, if she makes a move on me, I'm out of here. I'm running. How do you know that that's one of the best escape plans you can have? Run. You need to look in the mirror and say, run, Nathan, run. I go, I could, but I don't know which leg to limp on. <laughs> you doing okay out there? This is practical stuff. It's practical. Um, he was God's man. He, he decided ahead of time he was gonna keep his good name and his reputation. So he implemented the plan. It doesn't do any good to have a plan if you don't work the plan. Agreed? Look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The temptations in your life, it's not just if, but the temptations, because it's realities where we live, are no different than what others experience, and you think you're alone. That's one of the biggest discouraging facts, because you think today that, that, that the spotlight's on you, and you're the only one struggling with the temptation, present or, past, present or past, but you're not. You're no different than what others experience. That's why sometimes, to a point, we need to be transparent. We need to ask for help by God's grace. And... God is faithful, I like that. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand when you are tempted. He will show you a way out. Is anybody like me that wish you would have taken the exit when it presented itself? Did you ever do that on freeway? I'm not gonna get fuel at this exit, I'll get it at the next one. And it's a long way until the next exit, a lot can happen between exits. Can you relate to that? Oh, he's saying, I love you so much. Draw that line, move it with a margin, and get off at the first exit. I mean, just run off of that exit if your very life depended on it. Do you have a plan? God is faithful. His word tells us, not my feelings are yours, but his word says, there will always be a way out. The question is, will we observe it? Will we take it? Joseph planned his escape, and he followed through, and I'm gonna wrap it up in the next few minutes. I'll say it again. 
No one plans to mess up their lives, but people constantly do that. Do I have agreement out there? I love the text. I think Dave Bond sent me a text. Some of you, too. I know I'm not the only one, but something like this text that I get from week week said, be strong because God wants to turn your mess into a message and he wants to turn your test into a testimony. Okay, so don't go out of here all beaten down because you may have not engaged this. The first step is saying yes to Jesus. I confess and, and, and repent of my sins. I turn toward you. That's the first step you take. But the, the, the Holy Spirit isn't gonna, isn't gonna grind your face in your past, your forgiven past. How many of you know that's true? That's how you know Satan's after you because that's exactly what he tries. You're no good. You've done this. You knew better. On and on it goes. That's the work of the enemy who's coming after you. He lies. What's his native language? Lying. He speaks a lying dialect, if you will. But have a plan. Count the cost. Draw the line. Don't mess up your life. Be ready. Get honest about where you're vulnerable and make your plans accordingly. If you're married, one of the best things you can do is be very candid about your vulnerability with your spouse. Secrets kill. And the worst thing we can do is when a spouse, a husband, or wife is vulnerable, the worst thing we could do is just tear their head off and rip into them. You ought to be super glad that they're being honest and upfront with you and telling you what's going on. The last thing they need is a violent reaction from you. Even though it's hurt, it hurts because you, get, you feel betrayed about whatever it is. Make it conducive to honest and open sharing. Be vulnerable. I want to tell you again, many secrets with our spouse, no secrets from our spouse. Did you hear that? Oh, you can have a surprise party. That can be a secret. How does the enemy come after you and attack you? Where are you vulnerable? Are you justifying your sin for some reason? Is there some way you're compromising and caving? Maybe you're taking God for granted. Maybe you're lukewarm. Maybe you've lost your passionate love for him. He hasn't lost his passionate love for you. You might be living a double life, acting one way here and another way there. You may be hanging out with the wrong friends. You're not better than them. God loves them, but that's the worst thing you could do. Be ready. Settle it. Decide ahead of time. I'll never forget Don Booth. God rest his soul. He taught my Sunday school class. Must have been in uh, late elementary or, or junior high school, and I've never thought about this. He was in the military, had a prestigious position there in his former life, and had a great job. He was an unusual person. But I always remember him telling a story, true story. <coughs> Somewhere where he traveled fairly recently, there was, a, there was a pretty large hill where the visibility wasn't good. And, and he said, I found myself wondering, driving through that, he said, if I, and they had a station wagon, as I remember, and a family. <coughs> and he said, I always wondered <coughs> what I would do if I came up to the top of the hill and somebody came left of center into my lane. He said, so I'll tell you what I did. And he said, I, I'll just trust that the Holy Spirit prompted me to do this. But he said, I looked around and looked around and I, I found out that <coughs> the side of the road, there wasn't a deep ditch. And then there was a fairly steep grade that began to run up. And he said, when I went by there, <coughs> I never tried it, 
but I decided if I ever met a car coming in the, in the left of center that I would just turn and I would go up, maintain or increase my speed, go up on that hill and come back down on the other side of the road. No, there wasn't any ditch there. Well, would you believe the day came when that's exactly what happened? They were traveling down the road happily on going somewhere on vacation with his family and they topped that hill only to see somebody coming left of center. And because Don had a plan, he jerked the wheel to the right, hit the accelerator, and, and went up and around and avoided, and avoided a tragic head-on collision that probably would have taken many lives. Why am I telling you that? Because he had a plan, and he worked the plan. Satan is busy trying to block your path, but I don't know about you, but I'm going, I mean to go all the way. How about you? I, I end to go I aim to go all the way home. That's my challenge to you today. And it's not just for you, it's for yours. Those who are traveling with you, those who are watching your life. Remember when your heart felt Holy Spirit placed, biblically solid values and life principles are clear, decisions become so much easier. Because you've already decided That's so important in a season like now when you're tired, you're emotionally drained, you're overwhelmed, you're stressed, you're depressed, you're vulnerable, you're tempted, whatever. Oh, as a pastor who loves you, whether I know you well or not, who's, who's trying to give you away, oh, settle it, settle it. You'll never regret going God's way. Never, never, never. Determined to honor God in all things. And do the John 12, 28, hey, Father, bring glory to your name. Oh, that prays real nice today. I mean, it's so easy not to sin in this setting, isn't it? If we could just stay in church all the time. I have my fewest temptations at church, how about you? But out there where the world's real and I'm facing temptation, I have a plan, I've counted the cost, I've drawn the line. Father, I have one goal. I want you to bring honor and glory to your name. How do you believe God can work with that? Because it's this way, it's a life of surrender. Decisions are made ahead of time, not based on the emotion of a moment, but on those values God has planted through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Is that a good word to take with you and chew on today? It's for everybody. It's for me. It's for me. I have to suffer with this long before you do. I have to think about it. Well. One of my favorite things we're gonna do is transition into baptism, but I think as we do that, Nate, would you just lead us in a little bit of uh, that, whatever you have, Lord, I give you my heart, whatever you wanna do, but uh, could just for a stretch break, could you stand up and uh, could you just talk to him right now, if you can, if you can, stand, and could you just go palms up before him right now and say, Lord, search me and show me what you see. I, I, I want to draw the line and I may need to replace my line, place it in a new position. I, I'm going to count the cost. I don't want to live with regret that I don't need to, but know that regret and all those things of the past can be dealt with at the cross, but I'm going to make a plan today. The first thing you can do as we prepare for baptism is say yes to Jesus. That's not just a casual whim. Yes, yes, yes. That initiates a relationship with Jesus that is transforming that leads us to our baptism theme, living transform. Yes to Jesus leads us into living transform. Would you just say yes to him right now where you are?
If you've never had a relationship, open your heart and say, yes, Jesus, I receive you. I turn my back on my sin, my selfishness. I'm sorry. I'm not only going to tell you that, but if I need to engage some people that I've hurt, I'm going to do whatever it takes I'm, because I want to honor you. I don't want to honor me. Our world is full of that, and it's just destroying itself. God, I want to live to honor you. I want you to bring glory and honor to your name through my attitudes, my actions. I want my kids and grands to see me honoring you. So I'm going to settle it. I'm ready. I know the enemy's after me, but you're stronger in me. I'm not going to overestimate myself. I can't fight it in my own strength, but you've given the Holy Spirit who lives in me through a relationship with you. So now I'm drawing the line, not by the edge. Some of you are going to pick that up and move that line back. You've crossed it. It's not over. Start again. I'm going to count the cost. Don't want to live with regret. I'm going to plan my escape. Father, these are precious people that I'm privileged to talk to week in and week out. I pray that the truth would be received, that we wouldn't go out of here on a guilt trip, but know that your redemptive love is reaching for us wherever you are, <coughs> and we say yes to you. So right where you are, you could be at home, but you could just pray that prayer. Jesus, I surrender to you. I give you my life. I give you my love. I know that means turning my back on sin. It's going to mean some of the things that we talked about. The enemy is going to be coming after me in a new way. I'm going to do the, th the three steps, at least, that we talked about today. And I pray that you'd cause us to walk in victory. Renew hope, Lord, where people have given up. Put a fire of hope within them that all is not lost. It's never too late as long as there's life and breath. Thank you, Father, for your promise.